are we going? Hare Krishna, dear devotees, we're continuing our readings, and uh, exactly what is the time? Give me my watch. Oh no, it's over here. Slowly, slowly. Ten past, okay. Sorry, I was a little late, but I had this emergency email to attend to. It's still, life's still going on. <laughs> oh, boy. No, we're beyond that. An opportunity for intimate service. Because I bent to you. Namunishtupadaya Krishna Pristaya Bhutale Shimati Bhakti Viranta Swamini Tinamini Namaste Sarasvati Devi Gauravani Pracharini Nirvise Sasunyavadi Pachadesatarini Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadha Shivasani Gauru Bhakti Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare Hare an opportunity for intimate service. A little over a month later, towards the end of May 1967, Swamiji had a stroke. This harkened back to an earlier experience on the Jaladuta while he was there's a reason why it's so long okay hang on there folks <laughs> This harkened back to an earlier experience on the Jaladuta while he was making his way to America in September of 1965. At that time, he had similarly suffered two heart attacks. If the Atlantic would have shown its usual face, he wrote in his diary, perhaps I would have died. But Krishna, he noted, had taken charge of the ship, allowing his movement to manifest in the West. Still after beginning his mission in both New York and San Francisco, with humble endeavors in Montreal and elsewhere, he again suffered from severe heart palpitations and a stroke which temporarily paralyzed his left side. Devotees would later learn that he had chronic diabetes, causing heart disease and eventually kidney failure as well. His condition never affected his service though, which was always full of life, brilliance, and unbridled enthusiasm. The story of Swamiji's stroke is interesting for it serves to further highlight the love his devotees felt for him, particularly in New York. For several days, he had endured heart palpitations and a stinging on his left side. Both Achyutananda and Kirtananda would take turns massaging him, but aside from brief periods of alleviation, it only seemed to get worse. This reached the climax on Memorial Day weekend. Late one evening, Swamiji sat up on his bed, holding his head. He felt intense pain, which was visible on his face. 
His left arm began to twitch, and soon his entire left side was shaking with considerable force. Kirtananda was nearby, and Swamiji suggested that they chant together. The young disciple could see that Swamiji was not himself. I'm calling a doctor, said Kirtananda. No, no doctors. Get my beads. We'll chant. When Kirtananda returned with the beads, Swamiji asked him to massage his heart. Kirtananda did so, but immediately felt that his master's heartbeat was irregular. We've got to get you a doctor, exclaimed Kirtananda. Just do massage, Swamiji said, pointing to the region of his heart. He laid back and relished Kirtananda's determined bodywork, which seemed to help. He soon fell asleep, and the dutiful disciple quietly left the room. Seeing Brahmananda walking by, Kirtananda approached him and was visibly nervous, upset that the Swami might be critically ill. What should we do, he asked. What if Swamiji is preparing to leave his body? Brahmananda began weeping at the thought. He won't die, Brahmananda ventured. Krishna would not take him from us, not now. At that time, Swamiji requested three things. He wanted the newly completed painting of Lord Nishingadev placed before his view, for this is the manifestation of Krishna who protects his devotees. Swamiji also asked all the devotees to chant the Nishingadev mantra and Hare Krishna Maha mantra and to thus pray for his recovery. Sure enough, devotees chanted all day and through the night at both the New York and newly opened San Francisco Center. The third thing that Swamiji asked was that Brahmananda read to him aloud from the Srimad Bhagavatam, the prayers of Queen Kunti. This was a Vedic queen whose poetry offers unique perspective on pain and suffering, seeing everything that happens as the grace of the Lord. More, she actually prays for setbacks, for they help one to think of Krishna. Quote, I wish that all those calamities would happen again and again, so that we could see you again and again, for seeing you means that we will no longer see repeated births and deaths. Un, uh, end quote of the Bhagavatam. Quote, I stumbled over the pronunciation of the Sanskrit word, recalls Brahmananda, and I felt self-conscious reading to him from the book that he himself had written, all the while being concerned over his deteriorating condition. Perhaps it was the first time that a student was personally reading to Swamiji from his books. This was an addition he had brought with him from India. Brahmananda remembers how Swamiji was brought to the hospital. His vivid recollection is preserved in Satsvarup Dasko Swami's Srila Prabhupada Rilamrita. Quote, We brought the painting of Lord Nishingadev uh, <coughs> into Swamiji's room, and we were all chanting. When Swamiji had to use the bedpan in front of Lord Nishingadev's paintings, he begged forgiveness of the Lord. He could understand that Lord Nishingadev was sitting right in front of him. I saw it as a painting, but Swamiji saw it as Lord Nishinga himself sitting there. Swamiji's condition was getting worse, total bodily weakness and everything. I couldn't get a doctor because it was Memorial Day and everything was closed. I even called my family doctor, but he wasn't in. 
Everyone had gone on vacation because on Memorial Day, everyone leaves the city. I couldn't get anyone. I was calling hospitals, doctors, trying this and that, but I couldn't get anyone. Finally, I got a doctor by calling an emergency number for the New York City Medical Department. The doctor came. He was an old geezer with a real... That's a new word, Shambihara, geezer, you old geezer. <laughs> the old geezer. <laughs> I, I teach him all this English culture. <laughs> he was an old geezer with a real loud voice. When he saw Swamiji, he said, I think the old man is praying too much. I think he, I think he should get some exercise. He should go out for a walk in the morning. This is how Swamiji's regular practice of going for morning walks originated. The day after Memorial Day, we had to arrange for an ambulance. Beth Israel had no ambulance, so I called a private ambulance company. It was all arranged with the hospital that Swamiji would arrive at 9 o'clock that morning, but the ambulance didn't come until about noon. During this time, Swamiji kept moaning. Then finally, the ambulance came, and they were horrible guys. They treated Swamiji like a bundle of cloth. I thought it would have been better if we had taken Swamiji in a cab. When, uh, of course, when I came from uh, the hospital to Budapest Temple after the operation, I was in an uh, ambulance. But they were quite nice, They're quite good, reasonable. Um, the car was really, ambulance was really bumpy. I never go in an ambulance again. And, uh, but I remember when, uh, some days before my uh, mother passed away, I went, uh, I was here in Mayapur, I was around this time, I had to go to uh, Toronto, I flew to Toronto, my mother was uh, in hospital at that time because she fell down, and uh, which is typical when people are getting old and they're approaching the time, they start regularly falling. And uh, but my mother wouldn't. Uh, she refused to stay in the hospital, so she signed herself out. So I brought her in an ambulance, and. I mean, they, they treated her like a bag, a sack of potatoes. It was, uh, and the most far out thing was uh, getting in the lift, going up to the 11th floor where uh, her apartment was. So they, uh, she was strapped up inside the thing and then inside the uh, sort of, uh, what, what Stretcher, hospital beds, bed, something between the two, and uh, and then they sort of stood it up, <laughs> and they just yeah for them it's it's just a bag of bag of bones. They treated Swamiji like a bundle of cloth. I thought it would have been better if we had taken Swamiji in a cab. Yes. 
Curtin understate um, what, what what happens in an ambulance. You lay down unless uh, they're giving you oxygen and other things. But otherwise, uh, you can lay down in the back of a cab. Curtin understate in Swamiji's hospital room as a nurse, but all the other devotees were asked to leave. They returned to the temple and again chanted through the night for Swamiji's protection, as he had asked them to do. Kirtananda called the devotees in San Francisco to explain the situation and to ask them to chant all night to Lord Nishingadeva as well. They used the Sanskrit mantra the Swamiji had taught them. Tavakara kamalavari nakam madbuta sringam dolita hiranya kashipu tanu bringam keshavadrita narahari rupa jai jagadisha hare. I wasn't... Uh, I wasn't living in the temple when this was happening. I was still uh, still going to university. But uh, but this similar type of events happened also later on when uh, Srila Prabhupada was sick and he asked devotees to chant and we would chant. So there was 24-hour chanting in the temple room and uh, devotees were uh, taking shifts to uh, keep that uh, chanting uh, going. Uh, but the interesting sort of the phenomena is that uh, you all have, uh, you all know about Srila Prabhupada, you all have connection with Prabhupada. Uh, this idea, this concept that Prabhupada could pass away, it, it just didn't enter into anybody's mind that uh, Prabhupada was going to, or could leave the world or would leave the world. So everybody was of the opinion that well, Prabhupada can do whatever he wants and he can just make miracles like, uh, like the mystic yogis. And uh, no doubt Prabhupada could, certainly Krishna could, but uh, didn't seem to be in Prabhupada's agenda to be doing that uh, at all. Uh, in fact, Srila, uh, because then what will we do when it's time? We'll do some miracles. So we're not going to do any miracles. So then what's the example to follow? So rather, Srila Prabhupada showed what it means to have a material body. And, uh, and Prabhupada, we can read here, Prabhupada was in pain. Uh, it's not that, you know, pure devotees don't feel pain. But this is the price for preaching. This is the price for spreading Krishna consciousness. Uh, Prabhupada came in the world to write books, uh, to uh, spread the chanting of the holy name. Uh, but there was a price for that. Uh, and the inconvenience of uh, accepting a, uh, uh, accepting the circumstances uh, that uh, conditioned souls will accept or, or, or even advanced devotees will accept uh, as their passing through this life and ultimately leading to death, Prabhupada had to 
show that example of how to deal with these things because just like putting on a sari, putting on tilak, brushing your teeth, uh, what uh, the toothpaste is, Prabhupada showed us everything, showed absolutely everything, showed ladies how to part their hair in the middle. and uh, So if Prabhupada didn't show it, who would? And this was the similar situation. Here they chanted this some some years later, quite a bit, five years later, when uh, another event transpired, Prabhupada then gave all the uh, mantras that we sing at the uh, present time. Namaste, Namasinghaya. With this traditional incantation, they added a personal prayer. Our master has not finished his work. Please protect him. Uh, when we asked Prabhupada what, uh, and now this was in 77, what uh, we should pray, because that was the longest period of time. Before then, it would be a week, max two weeks. There was a couple of occasions, and then Prabhupada was sort of better. Uh, but uh, when we asked Prabhupada, now we don't know how to pray to Krishna, what should we say? So Prabhupada, uh, did a little different than here. I don't know who, uh, uh, although I think our master has not finished his work, came from Prabhupada. So perhaps Prabhupada also gave this, but there he said, uh, Dear Lord Krishna, if you so desire, please say Srila Prabhupada. So Prabhupada always wanted to emphasize this thing that ultimately we are subordinate to Krishna's will. The entire incident brought the young devotees closer to Krishna. They realized how dependent they were on the Swami and how he tangibly connected them to the Supreme. By June 1st, other devotees began taking shifts in Swamiji's room, some giving him massage and others some uh, just, uh, and, and some just offering their support and expressing concern. Swamiji was especially enlivened to hear that devotees both in New York and San Francisco had chanted and prayed throughout the night. This showed that his teachings were taken seriously. He had touched his young followers on a deep level. Still, the hospital was a bit... Uh, still, the hospital was a bit too much to contend with. There's missing words here. Numerous doctors and their assistants consistently interrupted his loving exchanges with devotees. After all, they needed to take blood samples, give injections, and address his condition in various diagnostic ways. And despite all the testing, they seemed uncertain about the underlying causes of his ailment. Well, that's unusual. <laughs> And they wanted to put him through an additional battery of tests, including a spinal tap. In fact, they did the spinal test and others too. I, once Shambi Harry and I drove to the end of Hungary, where if you keep any going any further, you fall, <laughs> fall down to a hospital 
and uh, they were gonna, we were going to do a uh, uh, test, and uh, but the anyway, instead of doing it one way, they wanted to do spinal tap. I said, forget it, I'm not having anybody stick a needle into my spine. Well, we didn't, so we drove away and we didn't do it. Um, but at a certain point, Swamiji said, no more. It seemed that the doctors were just experimenting on him. Both he and his disciples were not only unimpressed, but severely dismayed. After some time, Swamiji seemed to improve, and with his increasing strength, he began to express his distaste for the hospital and their procedures. He had little faith in him. Krishna, he said, was in control. If God wants to kill you, then no one can save you. But if he wants to save you, then no one can kill you. As Swamiji was getting well, Brahmananda decided to give him a detailed breakdown of the temple's financial situation. <laughs> the financial situation at that time means how many coins were in which bottle, because that's how Prabhupada devotees didn't know well, Swamiji, how are we supposed to manage? And Prabhupada said, well, you take four jars, <laughs> and whatever money comes in, in one jar it goes for electricity bill, in one jar it goes for, you divide it in four for this, and one jar it goes for that. And that's very easy finance. There was no money to keep track of, so um, not, a, not, a, not a nice thing to do. Temple financial situation, as he would commonly do as temple president. But after a couple of sentences, he reconsidered. Looking up at Swamiji, he said, do you want me to tell you all these details? I thought you would want to know. I mean, you should know. In response, Swamiji expressed his faith in Brahmananda, saying that given the circumstances, he could handle it on his own. As Swamiji received letters from disciples and well-wishers, his health returned in a commensurate way. Surely it was the love that saved him, a fact that he acknowledged when he dictated a short letter to his San Francisco devotees. Before I read that letter, uh, so throughout Prabhupada's stay, and uh, especially when Prabhupada was really ill, uh, Prabhupada was willing to accept uh, hospital treatment, doctor treatment, medical treatment, but only as long as it didn't interfere with fully depending on Krishna. And when it does did depend uh, it did interfere with that, uh, then Prabhupada would just say no. So even in the Bhagavatam, Krishna uh, tells Uddhava that devotees may take medication to uh, cure physical ailments. But uh, still, uh, the, the everything has a limit. So this, this concept of, uh, and something that we need to uh, always keep in mind, never let everything interfere with dependence on Krishna. That we're always depending on Krishna.
and we don't we don't want uh, anything to compromise that. If something seems to sort of come in the way, then so so uh, and it's a. Uh, what Srila Prabhupada was going through here is what everybody's going to go through. No one is going to be spared, not even Radharani. <laughs> you're going to also get old and get sick, and you're going to have to manage the sickness, and then at a certain point we have to face death. Mrityu Sarva Harashtraham. So it's a certain thing that we're all going to pass away and we need to uh, we need to be very clear and be realistic at this point make a plan uh, things may not be happening uh, according to our plan but certainly psychologically the, to be prepared is very important because it's not going to be easy especially where pain is involved so just in this uh, last two weeks. Last week I had one devotee who passed, passed away. She was how old? Satya? And this week another devotee, another lady, very nice devotee, passed away. But she was older. So get prepared. Uh, of course, the real preparation is being Krishna conscious. Krishna tvadiya pankaja panjanantam madhyeva vishatume So that our minds should be how to fix our minds on Krishna at such a time. If we can't, you know, fix our minds on Krishna when we're living in the nice circumstances, sitting in a temple room, chanting japa, how we're going to do it when the going gets really rough. So, uh, so it's something to prepare for. I'm so, and Prabhupada wrote this letter afterwards. My dear boys and girls, I'm so much obliged to you for your prayers to Krishna to save my life. Due to your sincere and ardent prayer, Krishna has saved my life. I was to die on Tuesday, certainly, but because you prayed sincerely, I'm saved. Now I'm improving gradually and coming to original condition. Now I can hope to meet you again and chant with you Hare Krishna. I'm so glad to receive the report of your progressive march and hope there will be no difficulty in your understanding Krishna consciousness. My blessings are always with you. And with confidence, you go on with your chanting. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So Prabhupada said that, he said, yes, I was supposed to die. But uh, all the devotees prayed. And uh, they said, I told Krishna, he says, I've not, I've not finished my mission yet. So then Krishna says, all right, you do your nonsense. And then Prabhupada used that word. He said, 
whether it was Krishna who used that word, says, you, you do your nonsense and then you come to me. So it's very interesting, uh, even whether it was the exact same word or it was a certain mood, but that, that Krishna considered that, you know, you want to do this thing, spreading Krishna consciousness. <laughs> was Krishna was thinking, I want, I want my associate back, I want my eternal associate back. So for Krishna, that was very important. And ultimately, when Krishna took Srila Prabhupada, he was 82 years old, which is really, really not old uh, for someone who lived like Prabhupada someone who never engaged in any kind of sinful activity. Uh, so, did you come for lunch, Radharani? Did you come up here thinking you were going to eat lunch? Yeah? N no. Yeah, when we were coming back, I started to worry. I said, Shambi Harry didn't invite Radharani to Jagannath. And then in the meantime, maybe you're coming here for lunch and we're not eating here. But then you ate at home. Okay. Confident that his mission was now firmly established, he wanted to nurture the creeper of bhakti in the hearts of those who had begun the process. For this, he needed to leave the hospital. As if in immediate response to his desire, the devotees had rented a small seaside house in Long Beach, New Jersey, where he could go to recuperate before launching into his usual rigorous schedule. He could relax there with Kurt Nanda as his personal cook and two new devotees, Gore Sundardas and his wife Govinda Dasi from San Francisco, for general care in terms of housekeeping and overall assistance. But the doctors didn't want him to leave, and so it became a sort of tug-of-war between the Swamiji's disciples and the hospital staff. This is very funny. A humorous incident just prior to his exit from the medical facility is recounted in Satsurup Dasko Swami's Prabhupada Lilamrita, and it reads almost like a scene from a modern uh, sitcom, if you know what a sitcom is. Quote, one day, while Brahmananda and Gargamuni were visiting Prabhupada, the doctor entered and announced that Swami would have to go downstairs for an x-ray. No needle? Prabhupada asked. Yes, the doctor replied, it's all right. When the nurse brought in a bed on wheels, Prabhupada said he wanted Gargamuni to push it. He then sat on it cross-legged and put his hand in his bead bag. <laughs> so you can just imagine what that looks like, Prabhupada. <laughs> Prabhupada sitting, bead bag, cross-legged on the hospital bed, being wheeled down. And Gargamuni, following the nurse, wheeled him out the door, down the hall, and onto the elevator. They went down to the third floor and entered a room. The nurse left them alone. Gargamuni could sense Prabhupada's uneasiness. Unease. He was also nervous. It was such an unlikely place for him to be with his spiritual master. Then a different nurse entered with a needle. Time to give the Swami a little injection. <laughs> no, 
Prabhupada Shatisev. I'm sorry, Gargamuni said flatly, we're not going to do it. The nurse was exasperated but smiled. It won't hurt. Take me back, Prabhupada ordered Gargamuni. When the nurse insisted, Gargamuni acted rashly, his usual tendency, and stepped between the nurse and Srila Prabhupada. I'm ready to fight if I have to. <laughs> I won't let you do it, he said, and wheeled the bed out of the room, leaving the nurse behind. Gargamuni was lost. He was somewhere on the third or fourth floor, faced with corridors and doors, and Prabhupada's room was on the sixth floor. Unsure where he was going, Gargamuni wheeled through the corridors with Prabhupada sitting cross-legged, <laughs> chanting on his beads. <laughs> Brahmananda arrived at the X-ray lab seconds after Gargamuni's escape. The nurse and an intern complained to him about what had happened. They considered this a theft, said Brahmananda. <laughs> Swamiji was their property. As long as he was in the hospital, he was theirs to do whatever they pleased with. Gargamuni had stolen Swamiji away from them. Uh, although I've seen doctors do uh, very uh, helpful, beneficial, and successful things, but part of hospital, hospital staff's uh, mentality is, now you're here, I'm God, and whatever I tell you to do, you have to do. Well, they don't like anyone saying, I'm not going to do that. Says, what do you mean you're not going to do that? This is, I'm the, I call the shots, and uh, I'm telling you I'm not going to do that. Uh, but it's very important that uh, devotees also uh, have a clear idea of where they're going to draw the line because they can't. Well, they will say, well, then, you know, you, you have to check yourself out. So check yourself out, I'm leaving. So, yeah, they considered it a theft. Gargamuni got to the elevator. He had difficulty maneuvering the bed and in his haste bumped into the wall. He forgot what floor Swamiji was on. He only knew that he was protecting Swamiji, who wanted to be taken away. When Gargamuni finally reached Prabhupada's room 607, an intern was there and spoke angrily. I don't care, Gargamuni said. He doesn't want any more needles or tests. He wants to leave. Brahmananda arrived, calmed his younger brother, and helped Prabhupada back into bed. But the die was cast, and it was clear that Swamiji wanted to leave. The doctor insisted that he stay a few more days, but admitted that he was improving. A couple of days later, Brahmananda and Gargamuni rented a car, gathered Swamiji's things, and escorted him out of the hospital. Several doctors and nurses tried to stop them, saying that the Swamiji was still not well and needed additional tests. But Brahmananda assured them that after the devotees, uh, that the devotees would watch him closely and take good care of him. After some calming and restful days at the seaside property we secured for him, Brahmananda added, Swamiji will come back for a checkup. That was the end of Prabhupada in hospitals. And so, having spent roughly one week at the hospital, 
They left on the morning of June 8th. Swamiji and the boys briefly stopped at the 22nd Avenue Temple before going to the house in Long Beach. Long Branch? It's not Long Branch, it's Long Beach. And uh, the small one-story cottage was in a quiet suburb and just a short walk from the beach. The backyard was enclosed by trees, shrubs, and flowers. It was the perfect environment for Swamiji to regain his health. When did we start? Ten past eight. Ten past. Okay, we'll leave it there. It's quarter to eight. My apologies. On uh, Friday, we uh, were having kirtan. It's a way to Charya's appearance day. So we're having kirtan. And is today... Uh, Raghunath Das Goswami's appearance day and also Pundarik Vidyanidhi Vishwanathapati Thakur's disappearance Vishwanathapati Thakur Raghunathan Thakur's appearance Sri Vishnu Priya Devi's appearance Vasam Panchami Sarasvati Puja so it's a time when great devotees appear and disappear. Many wonderful pastimes take place, and it's uh, the beginning of Holi. And from now until Gaur Purnima in Vrindavan, uh, Krishna and cowherd boys play Holi all throughout different designated places. Nanda Maharaj designates different places where they, otherwise they just make a mess out of the whole <laughs> whole place. So they've got certain places that they're allowed to play. And, uh, yeah. Prabhupada was resting for three weeks. Uh, Prabhupada's... Uh, <coughs> Prabhupada's inclination not to have to be in hospital, uh, his aversion to medical treatment, uh, allopathic medical treatment instead of Ayurvedic, uh, is something that uh, is sort of characteristic of uh, a culture that was sort of his generation and earlier generations, even successive gener uh, after that, where people, well, not just devotees, but people, they, uh, because none of these things existed before. There were no hospitals. Doctors there were, but there were no hospitals. And uh, there certainly wasn't the type of medical treatment that there was in the non-Vedic world, they, they used herbs and stuff. And uh, in the Vedic culture, they used Ayurveda, which is also herbs, but based on different uh, guidelines, namely uh, Danvantari's uh, teachings. So it's, uh, it's very, uh, this, this culture of running to a hospital for uh, a sneeze and things like that. It, uh, 
So just think what happens when they don't exist. Just like, for instance, right now, I don't know if you know where Gaza is or what's going on over there, but there's no hospitals. There's a war going on and there's no hospitals. So what do you do? So you make the best uh, of the circumstance, uh, but uh, and then once you get to hospitals, then even that's the uh, uh, what do they call it? I forget. Another protocol. Protocol. Hospital protocol is get patients out as soon as possible. Because the longer they stay, the longer they have a chance of catching different types of uh, very difficult or incurable diseases that wander around in hospitals and in hospital ventilation shafts and so on. So the whole thing is get people out as soon as they, as soon as they can walk and go home. Anyhow, so. Uh, we won't be chanting on, uh, we won't be reading on Friday, we'll be reading next Monday. On Friday there's Kirtan uh, uh, in front of Panchatattva, 7 to 9. So if you want to uh, attend, then, then you are welcome. Jai Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Hare Krishna.